Today, we are joined by Bobby Blanco from Mass and Sports. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about some shift into analytical thinking for this Nationals organization. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And thank you guys for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on today's show, we are joined by Bobby Blanco from NassonSports.com. Bobby, how are we doing today? I'm great, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well, man. And later on in today's show, Bobby, we're going to be kind of getting into, because this is selfishly what I want to talk about, James Wood and Dylan Cruz and their timeline over up to the big leagues this year. Could it be coming in 2024? Well, we'll discuss that a little bit later on. Also, Cade Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge. Where exactly do they fit into this starting rotation going into 2024? Because Mike Rizzo actually did make some comments at the GM meetings, or really the, not the GM meetings technically, but whatever you want to call them. He made some comments saying that they will be looking at some starting pitching and free agency. So let's get into that and really what that could mean for Jackson Rutledge and Cade Cavalli. But let's also start off with the shift into the analytical thinking, Bobby. This is kind of something to where, Mike Rizzo, of course, I've always been a Mike Rizzo truther. I think Mike Rizzo is still one of the best executives in all of baseball. And I think Major League Baseball as a whole, I think anyone would probably say that as well. He's still an elite level scout, boots on the ground kind of guy. But over the last few years, people have always kind of knocked the Nationals and really not just people within baseball. It's kind of been without a baseball as well with media members and everything. They just haven't really been this analytical, savvy organization like the Tampa Bay Rays, like the Atlanta Braves, teams like that who use these things to really use make a ton of decisions going into their baseball operations. But over the last few years, the Nationals, they have invested a ton of money into it, and now they're starting to invest really just hires and analytical hires in which we haven't seen in years past with guys like Eddie Longos, who's now sitting where D. John Watson was as the director of player development, and as well as Danny Haas and Brad Seolik. So, Bobby, kind of what do you make of this right now at the Nationals, kind of getting back into analytics and really just kind of filling a void that was really just needed to be filled at some point? Yeah, I think it's an interesting, like, history of analytics with the Nationals because if you go back, like, the early 2010s when the Nats were really good, you know, that's when a lot of teams like the teams you mentioned, um, the Braves, the Marlins, um, the Marlins not so much, but like the Rays, um, really use analytical thinking to their advantage. And the Astros midway through that decade, obviously leading to a couple of World Series championships. The Nationals had analytics, right? Like they had a department for those numbers. I just don't think they applied them as much as those other teams did so it's not like they didn't have that information they had it it's just a matter of how teams use those numbers the information um i guess the nationals just use them in different ways or not as much as those other teams 
Um, because you're right. Mike Rizzo comes from a scouting background. He is more likely to, you know, watch a player himself and then come up with like a, you know, a decision made. And I also think it's interesting looking back um, at the managers the Nationals have had. Um, and like, this is not a, a dig at those guys, but looking at Davey Johnson, Matt Williams, Dusty Baker, like those guys are old school baseball guys, like old school thinking and probably didn't really embrace those numbers as much as we've seen Davey Martinez embrace them in his time here um, with the nationals. Like think about that 2019 run. Like I don't, I, don't, I think analytics played a role in there, but it was much more about like, you know, you didn't hear like he's our closer. Like you heard from Matt Williams, you know, it was like, you got, you play your best players in the postseason. So I think analytics has an interesting history with the nationals. And I think it's not like they just didn't have this information. They just used it differently. And we can argue back and forth whether or not, you know, that was a good or a bad or right decision. But I think the point is now we're at a point where, you know, you need analytics in every single aspect of your organization. That is scouting. That is drafting. That is international signing, free agent signing. That is it's everything, not just your day to day major league club using it on the minor league system. So their uh, investment in that side over the past couple of years has been huge. Like I said, they've had those numbers. They've invested in more technology to help them get those numbers. Um, and I think the key part, too, is having coaches and staff members who can help translate that information to the players. And the Nationals have have added people like that, not just at the major league level, but at every minor league affiliate as well. Um, you know, because you heard stories from former Nationals players when they go to a new team and they get an analytical chart of something and they're like, I've never seen this before. And you hear fans get upset, be like, how come the Nationals don't use this? I think it, it's, it's they do use it. It's just how do they interpret it to their players? And I think that's been that's improved. So when you see top prospects come up, you know, former draft picks in the past couple of years come up, when they get to the major league level, it's not going to be the first time they're seeing this sheet of, you know, heat zones from, for pitchers or, you know, um, tendencies for hitters. So it's going to be um, helpful in that regard. And I, I think it'll be paying more dividends the more and more like it gets involved in throughout the entire organization, not just at the major league level. Yeah. And you know what? Like Mike Rizzo has always kind of had like the, what I call like the boots on the ground kind of philosophy and obviously it's worked for Mike Rizzo. This guy has already done a rebuild. He's accomplished a rebuild. He's climbed to the highest peak in baseball, winning a world series doing that. So I think one thing with analytics, like a lot of people, a lot of old school baseball fans may say like, ah, like who cares about analytics? Like people have won baseball games for a hundred plus years without them. And I'm like, yeah, like I get that philosophy with it, but also analytics are just numbers. They're just telling you facts of what your tendencies could be or whatever, whatever analytic you want to look at with saber metrics and all that stuff. It's just giving you information on really just how to get better at baseball or get better at perfecting a certain craft, whether it be lining up in a different little slot over at second base, whatever it is, that's really just what analytics come down to. It's like this big kind of scary word sometimes for people, but with the nationals doing this, because this has always kind of been not my complaint, but it's always just kind of been something that I wanted to see them try to do is get more involved into this. And over the last few years, I think the Nationals have done one thing really well, and they have kind of looked themselves in the mirror and said, we got to get better in this department. And with these recent hires, getting Danny Haas, getting Brad Seolik, and again, Mike Elias, I don't know if you saw this, Bobby, but 
the GM of the Baltimore Orioles, executive of the year in 2023. I mean, he had raving reviews about Brad Seolik. He's probably going to be helping running the Nationals really scouting department and as well as kind of looking into the draft. He said, we had a great run the last five years and also the Orioles drafted well before I got there. Brad was a part of that and Danny Haas, who's now part of the Nationals as well, was the VP over him, was their hair for that. So kind of having someone like that, Mike Elias, for example, saying this stuff about Nationals guys, and we know the Baltimore Orioles, they are an analytical savvy organization. I mean, this is just music to a lot of Nationals ears, in my opinion. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. And you look at, you know, especially with what Brad Ziolik and Danny Hass are going to be helping or their main focus is going to be the Nationals is the draft. And the uh, no team has drafted better in the past since 2018, since um, uh, Michael Elias took over than the Baltimore Orioles. And, the, you know, the way they use that draft, they get Ali Rushman, they get Gunnar Henderson in the same draft, they get Colton Kowser, obviously, you know, with the number one pick, they get Jackson Holiday too. But you look at their top 30 prospect rankings, a lot of them came through the draft. And those are the guys that helped, you know, facilitate those picks in those drafts. And, you know, I think it's just a way of, you know, I don't want to say it's a a cheap way of building your team because it's not because obviously you're spending a lot in this part of the organization. But it's just like a different way of of team building than, you know, we're used to the national seeing. You know, I think if you look at our, our, our MassInSports.com's website today, Mark Zuckerman is talking about the payroll the Nationals have. Think about the payroll the Nationals have had over the past decade before this rebuild started, one of the highest in all of baseballs. Now it's one of the lowest. And so it's like, how do you kind of balance that building up a competitive team while keeping a moderate payroll right now with, with the ownership situation in flux? We don't really know what's happening there, but we know that they're trying to keep that payroll as minimum as possible until they are absolutely ready to compete or this team is ready to be sold. So it's just, it's that kind of balance, the same kind of balance you're looking at with the analytical department and the coaching staff, how do you find that balance? Cause you're right. They are just numbers. Basically it's just probabilities, right? Like you're just saying, if you throw this pitch in this count, your likelihood of getting a ground out is higher than him hitting a home run, whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. that's what it is. That doesn't mean that's going to be the absolute final result. Right. But like, it's just telling you what's more likely to happen than not. I think finding that balance of probabilities and then also, you know, having a scouting baseball coaching eye mind about it is going to be the tough, tricky part for the nationals moving forward for every team. I mean, like some teams have, are doing it better because they've been doing it longer, right? Like the race have done it for over a decade now. And they've had that balance of, you know, numbers versus eye test, um, finding that balance both in scouting and in, you know, actually putting together like a, a lineup and, and, you know, roster is going to be very key for the nationals. Yeah, I agree with all that stuff. And, you know, you kind of talked about roster building there and building through the draft. Well, Jackson Rutledge and Cade Cavalli, both first-round picks by this national staff, by Mike Rizzo. And Jackson Rutledge made his MLB debut this past September. And as well as Cade Cavalli back in 2022, had Tommy John surgery. But again, these are two guys, first-round picks, a lot of talent between the two of them. So Bobby, Let's kind of get into talking about them. But before we get into it, let me tell you guys about our friends over at Jace Medical. And we spend a lot of time talking together, you and I, guys. We get fired up together on wins and losses and who starts and who sits. I'm thankful I'm thankful for that connection that we have. And today, I want our chat to be a little 
more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize with what that means, bring on extended travel, bring on the next natural disaster supply chain issue. You are covered, my friend. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics or Cialis, Viagra, or Vadia prescription. And this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code Locked On at checkout for a discount as well. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind, by having a year's supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com and see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code Locked On for $20 off your purchase. And now we get back into it with Bobby Blanco from massinsports.com. You can also check him out over on Twitter at Bobby underscore Blanco. So Bobby, you were kind of getting into there a little bit with drafting and developing. Well, Cade Cavalli at this moment in time really pre-Tommy John. A lot of people were raving about him. He had the strikeout numbers down in the minors. Very successful 2022 campaign as well as a nice, very nice 2021 campaign under his belt. But Tommy John surgery, he's going to be coming back probably sometime this summer, mid-June, maybe mid-July at the latest. But what do you kind of make of Cade Cavalli going forward with this rotation? Because I kind of talked about this the other day and he has the same features as a Steven Strasburg coming out of the draft. Obviously, he's not Steven Strasburg, the prospect. There's only a handful of those guys over the last, you know, probably 50 years. But very similar style pitchers coming off Tommy John surgery. Is this going to be kind of a situation where Cade Cavalli could hit the road and really just start running again? Or is this going to be a thing where he's probably going to have to reinvent himself, not being able to throw high 90s to low 100s? What do you think about that? I think that. That high 90s, low 100s question is the biggest thing. What, what, and that's the biggest question with anybody going through Tommy John surgery. What's yeah. your velocity going to look like once you get back? Um, typically, it takes a hit, right? Steven Strasburg, you know, he wasn't pumping 100 like we saw in his major league debut after his surgery. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, he was still able to get back up to those like mid upper 90s at some point. Um, you know, I, I don't think you'll see Cade pumping out, you know, high 90s like we did. And his major league debut obviously has probably a lot of adrenaline pumping through him too that helped that. Um, but I do think you know because he's having that surgery at 25 years old. Um, I guess he was technically 24 when he had it, but he just turned 25 in August. He's still relatively young, so you know he literally has his whole career ahead of him. Still, he's only made one major league start. It's just I, the idea is going to be. Times can he take the mound? When can he take the mound? You mentioned June or July um, as the, as that starting point. If he can get back to a major league mound at that point, I think that's a major uh, step for him in his process of becoming, um, you know, back to a major league starter. Johnny John's a tough, a tough, a tough surgery to come back from, but we've seen it's more likely now that pitchers come back and can have sustained careers afterwards than we've seen in the past. So him having at a young age. Um, yeah, it sucked. It's a setback. You don't want him missing his full rookie season. He was pitching pretty well in those couple of games in spring training, too, against major leaguers, so that was cool to see. Um, I think it's now just a slow process. Get him healthy. Once he is healthy, 
get him into this rotation. You know, he's going to need a couple of minor league starts probably to get like back into that groove. And then hopefully has a strong second half next year. He's going to struggle, right? Like his major league debut was up and down. You know, he got a couple of strikeouts, but he gave up a bunch of runs too and some hits and some walks. So he's still got some developing to do. Hopefully we're not seeing something like, you know, he really struggles in the second half and has to go back down to triple A. Maybe it's hopefully it's something that he can stay with the major league staff throughout at least the second half of next season um, and just show the kind of stuff that he has. But you're right. It is going to take some time. And the velocity is the biggest question. I don't think we're going to see him pumping out those high numbers um, right away. Hopefully he builds it back up over time. Yeah, I think that's going to be something that they're going to have to build on. He's going to have to continue to work on. It's not going to come back to 99 to 100 when you're talking about his first start, maybe next mid-July, whatever it is. So I'm not really expecting that either at this moment in time, but kind of to flip the script here, talk about another first-round pick with Jackson Rutledge. Mike Rizzo kind of met with the media yesterday, talked about what they could be looking for this offseason. He did mention starting pitching, so... We're kind of at this point in the rebuild where you're not going to be able to get opportunities for everyone. Obviously, Jackson Rutledge will be getting his starts here and there, but the Nationals, they've made it clear. They do want to add some starting pitching at some point. They also want to add a middle relief or middle, middle of the order kind of bat. But looking at Jackson Rutledge, again, this is kind of someone who has been up and down, had a really good year in 2022, has had some really bright moments down in the minors, former first-round pick, really talented pitching prospect coming out of the 2019 draft. This could be one of those weird situations, though, Bobby, where you want to get a look at someone like Jackson Rutledge, but then just looking at the rotation now, it's pretty much filled up. I mean, you're talking about Cade Cavalli coming back at some point. He's going to be in there. You have Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore. You've got Jake Irvin at this moment, Trevor Williams, Patrick Corbin. These are a lot of guys in which either the Nationals have a lot of money tied up with this certain player or they're just already solidified in this rotation. And now they could be adding another starting pitcher. So kind of going along those lines, Bobby, do you see a scenario in which maybe the Nationals try to add someone like a flashy starting pitcher type, like a maybe a Sonny Gray or just name that kind of veteran starting pitcher who could come on here and just make a relatively big impact on this starting rotation. Because I think that's really the key moment here with the Nationals. I'm trying to spare you there. That <laughs> says Bobby's dying right now over on camera. But, uh, hey, I get it. I get it. Been there, done that. But kind of going back into it, yeah. Jackson Rutledge kind of could be the odd man out in this scenario if the Nationals were to go in to sign a free agent starting pitcher. I would disagree. I would think it would be Trevor Williams would be the odd man out. Um, I think next year is, again, another development year. You're hopefully taking another step forward. Winning more games might be tough depending on what they do this offseason. But you saw a lot of guys like Caber Ruiz, CJ Abrams and Lane Thomas taking step forwards. You know, you've got prospects who we're going to talk about soon coming up. Um, so I would think that it's going to be another time for Jackson. He's going to get a shot at least, right? Like spring training is going to be his tryout for the roster. It's not going to be like last year when, you know, Jackson actually spent a good amount of time at the major league camp, but, you know, figured he, he was due for going back down to AAA and um, hopefully working his way back, which he did. So I think the fact that not only did he come up and make that start at the end of the season, but he made three more. Like they kept him up there to finish the season mm -hmm. um, with the major league roster. And, and he pitched pretty well, you know, gave up only two runs and six and a third 
against the White Sox. He pitched pretty well that first time against Atlanta. I know that second time on the last day of the season he didn't. But, you know, he showed that, you know, he's pretty close to being able to stick. Um, I I was surprised, but I shouldn't have been when I read that um, uh, Rizzo said that they were looking possibly adding a starting pitcher because, of course, Mike Rizzo loves starting pitcher. But I would say that the starting pitching position is the one where they have the most depth right now um, in terms of, you know, it's not elite guys, but it's a bunch you got of guys. guys. You got guys. I mean, you, you're going to start the season with Gore and Gray as your one-two in some order. Um, Jake Irvin possibly could be your third. Patrick Corbin, obviously, in his last, se- his last season with the Nationals, is going to be in there somewhere. Um, and then I think it'll come down to uh, Jackson Rutledge and um, Trevor Williams for that fifth spot unless they sign someone. I don't think they're going to be in the running for like the top pitchers um and the uh free agency like sunny gray like aaron nola some of those guys definitely not like a blake snell um i can see them adding a guy like they just did last year and like a guy sort of like trevor williams but maybe more starting experience remember trevor was going like back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen with the mets um maybe a more traditional starter um just to bring in some competition to camp and and then you can also see a guy maybe like they did last year with chad cool minor league deal come in compete for a spot because i think they see their top three being gray gore irvin you obviously corbin's gonna make his start so that's four guys right there and then when you've rutledge williams cavalli on his way you also have guys already on the roster or within the organization who can make spot starts i mean they're not great options i understand but like they are options so you don't have to go out and you know spend a lot of money you guys got like johanna doan um, Thad Ward, they'll see if they'll stretch him out as a starter um, after his Rule 5 year. Um, of course, Corey Abbott's made starts in the back. So, I mean, they've got a lot of depth of guys who can start. It's just a matter of, do you feel like you need to actually add a full starter? Because I I guess it's it's like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, really. If they don't add one, then you know you're going to get hit by the injury bug. and. You're going to need to fill spots and everyone's going to be like, well, you should have added in this in the free agency. And if you add someone, then you're going to have too many guys. And then when Kay Cavalli comes up, you're going to be like, all right, now how do we get all these guys innings and starts? Um, the Nationals did a great job last year of spacing out starts and getting everyone healthy through the regular season. That's unlikely to happen next year, though, right? Like, yeah, the fact they made the throughout the whole season with only, I think, eight starting pitchers total making starts. That's very unlikely to happen next year. I mean, Great if it does, but it's unlikely it happens. You have to prepare to use 10 plus starters. So I would see that they would probably, I would think Jackson will have a shot to compete for a rotation spot coming out of camp. And I think the Nationals will make a mid to lower level free agent addition to bring in some more competition. Mike Rosa always likes to add competition to spring training camp um, and make guys earn their spots on the roster. I agree with all the Bobby. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation to have because. I just I don't know what the Nationals will do with Trevor Williams. I I hope just as kind of watching baseball and really what makes the most sense. If you're just going out there trying to win 162 games a year, which is everyone's goal, it's never going to happen. But Trevor Williams would be probably in your bullpen making spot starts, kind of being that fireman guy that I know we've talked about kind of over the last few months here. But thank you guys for making Locked On Nats your first listen. And next here, Bobby. I do want to get into some of these top prospects because selfishly it's been about a couple hours since I've talked about James Wood and Dylan Cruz. So what's their timeline in the 
getting to DC here in 2024? We'll answer that after this. Thank you guys for making Locked On That's your first. Listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Bobby, now let's take a look at the Nationals. Two top prospects in the organization, top 10 prospects in baseball, Dylan Cruz and James Wood. Now, this time last year, I was thinking James Wood's going to be in the majors by September of 2023. He's going to get an opportunity. He's been killing the baseball. There's just no chance he'll be able to not make the majors. Well, he's only 20 years old, a few years out of high school. The Nationals, they don't need to rush him up. You don't need to. But heading into 2024, when you have Dylan Cruz, who, in my opinion, is just going to slug his way up to the majors. This is going to be someone where he's going to be batting like 350 in double A, maybe even triple A if that's where he starts next year. And if he does that, then, I mean, how much longer can you keep him down in the minor leagues? Because we all know Dylan Cruz is probably one of, if not the most talented prospect in minor league baseball, can really do it all. But how far are we going to have to, or how long are we going to have to wait to get to see both these guys up in the majors. You can kind of start off with nibbling on Dylan Cruz here for a sec. Yeah, I think short answer. I think they'll both reach it this year. Um, You know, you said like last year we thought Wood was, you know, on track to make it this year, especially after he started at high A and made double A really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he struggled, right? I mean, the home run numbers were there, but the on-base percentage and the average weren't really there. Um, You know, he does everything else well, plays great defense fast on the base paths. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's not a big deal that Wood didn't make it last year. With Cruz, like you mentioned, you know, top prospect, number two overall pick, top position player of this draft. Golden Sp- I mean, he's just so advanced. He's older than Wood already. He's 22 years old. Um, you know, you've seen, you, we've seen 22-year-olds make the majors pretty quickly. Um, you know, hopefully it's one of those, like, Adley Rutschman deals where Adley made the majors. Well, he had a COVID year kind of destroy that, but like yeah, it was pretty quickly. Um, because as the number one overall pick, Jackson Holiday is probably gonna make the majors next year for the Orioles. So, you know, when you say guys like that who were drafted in the same area that Dylan Cruz Woods, I mean, even Jackson Holiday is even crazier because he was out of high school, but coming yeah. out of college, winning a college world series like Adley did, like the timeline is short. So I don't think the fact that he made double A. Now Dylan did struggle at double A, but you know it was a long year for him. Think about he, you know, he started playing his season, but college baseball starts in February. Like yeah. literally, their actual season starts in February. Made to the College World Series, got drafted, and then started playing again. Like that's a long year for him. So I don't think anyone is concerned about the numbers that he put up at double A. The fact that he made it there and played well, um, kind of overall, was a good sign. Um, yeah, I, I just think, you know, kind of tying it back into our previous conversation about the pitchers, like the outfield is kind of similar, but in a different way. Like there's a lot of outfielders on this Nationals system and I and, and on the Major League roster, like guys who can play, but shouldn't be blocking these two guys. Like, right, like Stone Garrett is going to be injured. So I, I would think that the Nationals are going to add a corner outfielder to go along with Lane Thomas. But then center field, you got Jacob Young. Maybe they bring back Victor Robles on a lesser deal for one more season just as the holding places because once Wood and Cruz are ready, those two are coming up. I mean, I just don't see a reason to hold them down. Now, if they don't prove that they are ready, then obviously it's a different conversation, right? Like there's 
kind of there's no reason to rush them either. Unless like you're really trying to make a playoff spot next year and you think these two can take you over the top. But if we see similar numbers, like maybe the power is there for Wood, but on base and strikeouts, he struck out a lot too at double A. Maybe those are still high. Maybe you want to see those calm down a little bit for Cruz. Maybe the average isn't quite where you want it to be. Um, and the slug isn't where, you know, he's not using his speed as much. Again, there's no real rush for these guys. I would just expect that they're, they're too good to not advance. Like we've seen them advance, well, Cruz in a short amount of time, but would every step that he's been in this organization, he, you know, he should have made high A at the end of 2021. He started at high A this year, or 2022, sorry. He started at high A this year and then made double A quickly. So by that trajectory, he should start probably at double A again, maybe, but then be a triple A pretty quickly and then, you know, knocking on the door for the major leagues. But I think both are on track to make their uh, big league debut sometime in the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. I would be super shocked if it was sooner, but you never know. I mean, maybe they just force the issue. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting conversation to have because. A lot of organizations, like if we're if we were locked on Angels right now, we'd be talking about James Wood and Dylan Cruz. Like, are they going to be your starting your opening day center fielder and right fielder? Like, it's just you know we're not in a rush to win right away. We're still in this rebuild. We're closer to the finish line than we were last year. But even then, there's a lot of time to go. So there's no need to rush them. None of them are going to be on the opening day roster to start the year. But they're going to be interesting ones to watch for sure during 2024 but Bobby I'm going to put you on the spot real quick and right. I'm going to give you my prediction here as well I think Dylan Cruz makes the major for James Wood what do you think I would agree I just because he's older he has that college Same. experience um I think the overall tools he's more developed I think James has the potential for more power um oh yeah and he's so fast he's so big I, more power yeah. probably can just like overall better slug but I think Dylan has the better batting eye he walks more he has better speed in the and just a better overall defender playing a more premium position in center as opposed to probably sticking james in a corner spot yeah i agree with all those things you said bobby and of course thank you guys for making locked on nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and Bobby Blanco, MassInSports.com. Make sure to check out his work there. Follow him over on Twitter at Bobby underscore Blanco. Bobby, I appreciate the time today, man. You have a good one. Yeah, thanks. You too, Ryan. See you again next time. See you next time.